0: You're listening to The Horror. Welcome to The Horror.
1: Hi, I'm Owen Edgerton.
0: and I'm Russell Sharman.
1: Russell doesn't like horror movies.
0: It's true. It's true. It's so true. So uh so we we took a little hiatus over the holidays.
1: What was the last thing we did?
0: <laughs> oh, it was so long ago. It was it was 2019.
1: Oh, I remember. It was this movie that You didn't think was very good. Uh, I did. And you particularly didn't like the scary parts.
0: So the last movie we talked about was Jordan Peele's Us, which we've just, you know, we're recording this on Tuesday, January 14th. And so the, the Oscar nominations have just come out. And it seems... The Academy agrees with me in some respects, <laughs> which is that us was not nominated for anything.
1: Well, you know how horror movies are always just raking in the uh, the Academy Awards. Well,
0: uh, you know, apparently this year they're they're back, you know, true to form. It's a bunch of old white men.
1: Oh my as goodness! Voters. Yes, it's uh, yeah, it's shocking. It's shocking.
0: I mean, even uncut Gyms, Apparently, they they also don't like the Jewish people, right? <laughs> uh, they thought they would just throw the women and the people of color. Everyone. Just,
1: just white Gentiles this year. Yes, like I think Frozen g- was nominated three times for in the same category.
0: You know, it wasn't. Oh, oddly, <laughs> it was not even nominated for Best Animated.
1: Wait, Frozen no. Two wasn't nominated for Best Animated Film?
0: No. What was? No. I,
1: we don't either. that's another. Uh, that's our that's our animation <laughs> podcast.
0: <laughs> our children's. Although I will say, as a as an aside, I signed up for my one week trial of Disney Plus. Did you know this may sound like a promo? But I'm canceling it today because I realized when I watched Mulan last night that there's really no reason to keep this. <laughs> because I'm just going to keep watching 90s animated movies that are terrible and should be on TV or something. Let's get
1: down to business to defeat the Huns.
0: Although I I immediately watched the trailer for the live-action version. Yeah. And I got kind of weepy. Well... Uh, I don't know I, what it is.
1: I got to say, uh, of, of all those live-action... Uh, versions of of uh, those classic uh, animated films. Mulan is the only one. I'm like, yeah, Mulan. I can see the other ones are like, no, I'm not interested. But Mulan, yeah. like, that would be a better live action. I mean,
0: I got emotional watching it.
1: That's so. rare for you to ever I know
0: achieve that. No. <laughs> uh, okay. So okay, <laughs>
1: we w- no, we did say we were going to do rare exports. So right, uh, we
0: were t- supposed to do a a holiday themed. But I decided I didn't want to ruin my holidays.
1: Oh man! Well, with it's a not,
0: shitty horror movie, it's not. So. It's,
1: it's not. You're gonna have so to I watched
0: White Christmas for the forty seventh time.
1: <laughs> Wait, just like the Academy Awards, you like things white. <laughs> um, but what we did, we are in a new decade. We're in a, a new year, and so we're going to start it out with. We're going back to some of the the greats. We're starting it out with Bride of Frankenstein. Maybe the quintessential and and clearly the finest of the golden age of universal horror movies, uh, stretching the '30s and '40s, a brilliant film, the sequel to Frankenstein, James Whale directing, based off you know the sequel to the huge hit Frankenstein. I'm I'm so excited to be talking about this.
0: And I am too. I, I I'm a big fan of the golden age of Hollywood in general. Uh, I I have a deep respect for what universal did in those years during the depression coming out of the the talkies um, focusing their energies it's not that these are the only movies they made but they made a string of what are undeniably classic films that i agree sort of set the stage for modern horror and as much as i am not a fan of the genre i gotta give props to the studio that sort of started it all at least in hollywood
1: they, uh, yes yeah you can see this like the German Expressionism is exactly yeah 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 they and, and especially in Bride, uh they just they they take a lot of that German Expressionism and and to be fair too they were doing something kind of smart they were uh, both Frankenstein, Frankenstein was based not off the book as so much I mean of course it was of Mary Shelley's uh, book but but even more so of the stage productions that were. Based off the book, so there were oh, these. see, sta- I didn't.
0: I I wasn't aware of the stage productions.
1: Like Mary Shelley had her book come out, and then the stage productions in her own lifetime started becoming hits, and and she saw some of them. Uh, and so James Whale had been involved in one of them. So a lot of that was a huge. I think James Whale happened, but that's a huge part of it. Same with Dracula. Dracula was based less on the, I mean, on the book, but but actually on the stage production, which Bella Lugosi had played. Uh, the stage production so Universal was taking these plays in some ways and, and but they, they kind of took a gamble you know the, this kind of horror had not quite been done I mean they'd been like fan of the opera and a couple of other things but Frankenstein was just a, a massive hit for them
0: well it's clear they're not taking it from the book because I I will say the one the one thing about the cinematic Frankenstein that I've always, you know it, both appreciated as, in terms of its cultural uh, icon status but also always sort of lamented is the fact that Mary Shelley's Frankenstein is a vastly more interesting character <laughs> than than what we see in the movie incarnations you know because it, in my memory of the book it's been a while since i read it uh, you know it's basically the book is written by the monster uh and He's an incredibly articulate, uh, thoughtful, philosophical figure who is weighing all of these issues about you know, what it means to be human. And, and what you get in the movies from 1931 to today is a, a grunting oaf, uh, which has its charms. But uh, I kind of miss that. About yeah.
1: Yeah. No, no. I mean, that, the, the book is written in like a series of, of people like there's the explorer who's stuck in the ar- Arctic ice. Uh, the captain on his ship. There is Dr. Frankenstein himself, who's relaying a lot of it to this explorer, to the captain of the ship. And then we do, we do get this incredibly verbose uh, monster, who, who, yeah, is murdering people, but he's got a plan. <laughs>
0: <laughs> um, which, again, totally unlike the movies, right. which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, that there doesn't seem to be a plan, just mayhem.
1: Let's do. It. So the reason I chose Bride. So let me give an introduction because I, I I'm already. I'm fearful, Russell. I'm fearful of what the things you're going to say because I I want people to like you.
0: Fortunately, I don't have that problem. <laughs> <You know>?
1: <laughs> so, <laughs> so um, so uh, like we said, Frankenstein came out. It was a huge hit, 1931. Uh, it was censored a lot of, around the world. People were passing out while watching it. They were terrified of this movie. Bor- uh, Boris Karloff. Was not actually even credited in the first movie until the after credits. He's just a question mark, but the movie made him a, a, a huge star. He became a, he became a huge star uh, because of this movie, and people were were frantic. They wanted to see a uh, a sequel. James Whale was like, "No, I'm not going to do a sequel. That's ridiculous." And he went on to do like Invisible Man. And and some other things, uh, and and basically the studio said, "Look, we we know you want to do this one movie. that's not a horror movie. We'll let you do that movie if you do this one for you, one for us." And so he said, "Okay," and he got into it. And there were different scripts and different conversations about whether it's going to be. But James Whale kind of attacked it like I, with a, a sort of sense of humor as well. So he incorporates all these different things. And although I think you're right that like Frankenstein's monster maybe. Maybe more interesting in Mary Shelley's novel. Definitely a totally different one. There's something really charming about Frankenstein in the original, and Frankenstein's monster in the original film. This sort of brute. But the whole explanation that, oh, they got the wrong brain (laughs) is is a little weak. But I find Bride of Frankenstein an incredible film. The shots, the pacing, the, the weird transformation where the monster is so clearly depicted as a monster, a murderous almost motiveless monster at the beginning to a a character that we feel more for than any other character by the end of the film, that he evokes more of our pity than any other character. I I think that's tremendous. Uh, And it has to do with the writing and the direction and a brilliant performance by Boris Karloff. I give it best picture.
0: (laughs) Well, I disagree with just about everything you said. Wow. And not because I deeply dislike this movie necessarily, it's just that I vastly prefer the first one to this one uh, for all the reasons that you said I think the pacings better uh, I think the the yeah we'll we'll get into the pacing of this okay, one. okay. I think the 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 use of the kind of chiaroscuro, German expressionist camera work is much more interesting in the first one and then the second one not in, in production design and I <laughs> I agree with you that we do end up empathizing m- most with the monster in the second one, but that's mostly because everyone else is such a caricature that uh, you sort of have no one left uh, but to but to think about him. But then,, uh, you know, the the you you peel back the layers just a little. you scratch the surface a little of like thematically what this movie is doing. Yeah. and and essentially you've got a guy. Saying, you know, make me a woman, and the and in the first few moments when she rejects him, he burns the fucking house down, uh, which is where I just sent you a text before we got on the the phone. That it's like it's the story of the world's first incel. I mean, where he's just this frustrated, involuntary celibate who's gonna murder suicide when a woman rejects him.
1: What an interesting uh, take on it. I mean, incorrect and wrong, but I can see where. You know, you're thinking you personally that would bring you there. So, to, so just so we know the quick plot for everyone who hasn't seen it. If you haven't seen either of these films, you should. By the way, people people who love horror, let's say you love Jordan Peele and you think he's incredible, or you love modern horror, you need to go back and watch these films. The, these are two quintessential to to the horror world. So, as as you probably you already know the story of, of Frankenstein, Mad Doctor. You know, basically right before he's meant to be getting married goes off to uh, a hidden uh, laboratory steals body parts sews them together makes a man brings him to life but it turns out this man has got the wrong brain inside of him his his his, his assistant in fritz stole abby
0: abby normal
1: it's it's so close to, to the parody it's, it's just that scene in in frankenstein makes me cringe each time of like oh wrong brain <laughs> Um, But it's just dead tissue. Just dead tissue. And then Frankenstein, Dr. Frankenstein, kind of becomes a hero. He's like, I'll go, come on, peasants. And we go hunting. There is an incredible scene, I think, probably the most uh, devastating scene of the original film is uh, two scenes of of Frankenstein playing with a little girl, playing, throwing flowers into the water. When they run out of flowers, Frankenstein's monster throws the little girl. Confused, maybe trying to save her, but... Obviously, utterly confused drowns her, and then her father walks into the wedding feast. The whole town is going a party, carrying his daughter. That's incredible.
0: Well, and let's just pause for a moment. I know we're supposed to be talking about Bride of Frankenstein, Mm. but this is exactly an example of what I mean. That tracking shot of the father carrying his daughter through the village, and you see the joy and the jubilance of the villagers as they're celebrating – and their faces change as soon as he walks into their peripheral vision. And you just keep seeing it. You keep seeing it. It's a, I don't know how many minutes. It feels like it's a three or four minute shot. It's probably not. But, but that is just brilliant cinematography, stagecraft, production design, performance. There is not a single scene in Bride of Frankenstein that can rival that scene as a, as a cinematic moment, in my opinion.
1: Uh, that, that's a good question. I, I don't know about rival it, but, but I hear what you're saying. That is an incredible scene. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree with that. That is an incredible scene and 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 hard to forget.
0: But, I, you know, what's funny about this, and we'll, we will get to Bride. Yes. You chose Bride. I you chose You could have chosen, I mean, oh, I, the original Frankenstein is still a horror movie, and I would have had to sit here and talk about how much I like Frankenstein, but instead, you have forced me into a situation where I've got to, got to say that I don't like Bride of Frankenstein. But so this is, I think, a lot.
1: I've been thinking about this, because when you told me that you didn't like it, I was like, What? Because I, I'm not alone in saying this is the finest of the uh, the universal horror movies, nor am I alone in proclaiming it better than the original. I, I don't know if... I, I would think that that's a sort of... Uh, like, most critics believe that. <laughs> I, I think that's true. I mean, I know it's, like, it's on
0: lists... We of, don't need facts. Let's just... Most critics, I think that's true.
1: I, I mean, it is on a number of lists of sequels that are better than the originals. Um, that breaks I'm, my heart. So I know that that is true. So anyway, though, continuing with Frankenstein, Frankenstein's uh, old professor comes to before is like, that's the first, first death is Fritz. Fritz, the awful assistant who abuses and tortures, tortures Frankenstein's monsters killed by the monster. Frankenstein, who's an awful person because he made this creature that he wasn't prepared for. He had a child that he couldn't want. He's an awful... It really is. Dr. Frankenstein's an awful person. He and the doctor just have a plan to kill off the monster. Dr. Frankenstein goes back to get married and the doctor, before he can kill off the monster, has killed himself. Then Frankenstein just starts killing a bunch of people. Frankenstein's monster is just killing a bunch of people. Almost kills Frankenstein's to-be-bride. Frankenstein leads a bunch of a bunch of peasants then has a sort of one-off he against the monster the monster throws him off the top of a windmill was in the original idea was meant to be Dr. Frankenstein dying uh but instead he's kind of they added on this brief scene at the end with his dad saying "Oh, he's alive.
0: right well and, and again pause uh you know you're you are absolutely and I defer to you in terms of the the history of this period of cinema in, in Universal's horror movies, but uh, I do know that, uh, it you know, Limley, who was running Universal at the time, uh, you know, saw the first cut and realized, wait a minute, with, you know, with Dracula, we we ended up killing our bad guy, and we lost out on the opportunity, essentially, to franchise the character. I mean, obviously, they figured out how to do that anyway. Yeah. But, uh, but, not but with this, they the sort of said, yeah. we're not going to make the same mistake. And and that's they reshot it thinking thinking in terms of franchise so wh- one of the things that I, I hope we get to talk about a little bit is you know m- i think maybe one of the reasons you like it so much and and why it's an interesting film is it also represents one of the first sort of turns toward franchises yes. in cinema and horror movies are you know so much a part of that Serialized story aspect of of what Hollywood does that uh, this is sort of the first iteration of that in an interesting way.
1: That is interesting, and I, I think it was it was both that of like oh we gotta we gotta try and make a way to franchise this, but they do kill off Frankenstein. Frankenstein seems pretty clearly killed off in some ways, I guess maybe not, but or dark I mean the monster. I think right. it was also yeah. though there was a feeling like this ending is too dour, it's too sad was another reason they're like it has to end with a kind of wedding, you know. <laughs> sort of feeling. But yeah, then they bring back this the sequel. Now, Bride starts out immediately where the first movie ends. The wind except it shows the windmill collapse, beautiful shot. And the peasants, actually the same peasants whose daughter was drowned. They're the first victims of the monster who's indeed not dead. And when they go to sort of say I have to see this his dead body, they they end up being the first victims murdered by the monster. And the monster whose makeup is in- Incredible, Jack Pierce did in both films. Just goes on a rampage, on a rampage, and then basically another doctor approaches Doctor Frankenstein, says you need to complete your work and make a female. They start working together. He's kind of forced into it. They kind of likes to do it. The monster wanders around, finds a, a friend, an old. Wait, wait,
0: wait. Yes. Don't just gloss over the weird.
1: <laughs> I, I'm just. I was gonna do an six overview. Six
0: inch high people. <laughs>
1: Okay, we don't we won't do the makes. overview. We won't do the overview. Let's just go from the beginning. All right. So, <laughs> Bride of Frankenstein. First of all, one of the things it has a soundtrack where Frankenstein doesn't. That's a really interesting thing. Frankenstein only has music at the beginning and end. This movie has music all over, and I really dig it. Then I think I know some of the things you don't. I don't like you don't like the comedy. I'm guessing. Like
0: I don't. I yeah. don't like the like. Okay. First of all, compare the first six minutes of this to the original Frankenstein. In the original Frankenstein. And again, this is a guy who does not like horror, but the first six to 10 minutes of of the original are these bizarre, macabre scenes of grave robbing and cutting down lynched people, and you don't know why. And it's just freaky, and all these like canted angles and incredible lighting, and it just screams horror. And this one, you get six minutes of Chloris Leachman, (laughs) essentially vamping as the housemaid that we did get was a new character in this movie, but apparently she works for Dr. Frankenstein. Yes. Uh, Just vamping at the, at the charred remains of the windmill and it's annoying and uh, not scary.
1: Well, first of all, the opening of Frankenstein is actually a character from the film coming out to say, I know you're all going to get freaked out about this. This is all horrible, but this is what happens when someone tries to become God. Don't be mad. Christians.
0: True. That's a that is and true. then
1: bride. And this one also
0: opens with that weird Mary Shelley thing,
1: which is a really cool. And I hope that you noticed that the the woman, Elsa Lanchester, who plays Mary Shelley, uh well, she's not Mary Shelley actually. I mean, technically, I guess she was still Mary, Wollstonecraft. Anyway, well, well, she wasn't married. Well, get the
0: hate mail from the Mary Shelley scholars.
1: <laughs> but she's also <laughs> the same actress who plays the bride. Yes. Yeah. And that I think that's that's brilliant. I, I I love I love that beginning. And also, by the way, interesting enough, the same woman who you don't like, who plays Minnie Una O'Connor, she's also in the very opening wide shot of Shelley Percy and Mary Shelley. She's walking the dog. She's a she's a, a servant in that scene as well.
0: No, oh, interesting. Yeah. No, I didn't like the opening at all because. It felt sort of like, you know what? You've already thrown the book out the window to a certain extent. Why are you now trying to legitimize what you're doing, especially in in the sequel? Uh, so that was sort of annoying to me, actually, that sort of framing idea of let's sit by the fire with Mary Shelley in the mansion and hear her tell the, you know, part two of the story that actually wasn't her story.
1: Okay. <laughs>
0: <laughs> and then you got five minutes of the housemaid vamping. It's not that uh, at long. The windmill.
1: She's it's just she's
0: it, No, it, I timed it. It's like uh, 6 minutes and 30 seconds into the movie until you finally cut away from that scene.
1: Well, yes, but you have two deaths in that scene.
0: No, before the old man jumps in the water, the 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 nurse the housemaid is just yelling.
1: Okay, okay, okay. So, then we have so I I think this is what I want to get to at some point is camp and the role of camp in this film.
0: And I think that is what I don't like I and, know and Yes I think there's also Something going on here And I've been really thinking about this Because of how much you say You love this movie so There's something going on here About what I love about The first Frankenstein Is Is the cinematic stuff That I feel is true of Like all movies Yeah And what you love about Bride Is what is specifically true about horror That I don't like
1: Yeah Uh huh Uh huh Uh <laughs> huh
0: and part of that is, is somehow the the camp stuff uh is tied to that and I'm not sure exactly how I can't quite put my finger on it this, but, this i've um, had the
1: exact same thoughts the, the exact same thoughts of like wh- what is it that i like and, and most intelligent people like about bride that russell is not seeing well here's
0: the thing <laughs> is camp to me can easily slip into bad like it's <laughs> camp is also just bad bad technique, uh, bad acting, bad camera work uh, can come off uh you know sometimes you can excuse it as camp when really it's just bad. Right. And that's what I think is happening here is bad writing and bad acting.
1: But but the stuff like for example like it's there, there's intentional camp. Like I mean again like I said, James Whale James Whale was like I did it with Frankenstein. This is going to be not that he was making Gremlins too. <laughs> but he was like <laughs> Wasn't he? he? He was, but he was aware of the humor he was putting into it, and and uh, and so like Una O'Connor was definitely like she was meant to be campy. She was meant to be sort of push comedy, uh, and then we get to maybe even a slightly more uh, strange character in my way that you might find for me my favorite character of the film. Which is Doctor Pretorius? Of course it is. Yes, I love Doctor Pretorius. He's amazing. I love the shots of him. I love you know. you know what? I says. would agree with you.
0: I think as I'm thinking about it, yeah, I like Doctor Frankenstein, especially in this one. Though throughout you know the series, is a super annoying character.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh, although in the first Frankenstein, when he does create life and the whole sort of famous, he's a al- lot. He it's alive, it's alive. Now I know what it feels like. You know to yeah. be like God. Yeah. And he's basically having an orgasm on screen, yeah. And to me, because he's such a sort of big over actor, that worked in that moment, yeah. Uh, and it and and so much of it in this one, I just thought, oh, you're just annoying every time I see you. But Pretorius is that his name? Yeah. You know, yeah, he's more of a Vincent Price kind of character, and and I dug him.
1: And and there's a weird, there's something weird about the way. So Pretorius was a former doctor of Henry Frankenstein. And he does sort of arrange for the monster to kidnap uh, Henry Frankenstein's bride, bride to be, or yeah. bride. Uh, I think they're married at that they're point. They're married so at that point, wife, yeah. yeah. And, and then forces him to work with him, but then, like Doctor Frankenstein, gets kind of into it. Like they're they actually make really good colleagues. They work really well together.
0: Well, and I do think there, and this was true in the, in in his performance. You could tell, like, and I think obviously this was intentional, but but it seemed like Dr. Frankenstein, you know, he he was he was trying to quit a drug, and the drug was creating life, and so Pretorius represented his dealer, you know, coming yeah, around yes. saying you want another hit, and he was resisting, and he was resisting, and he was resisting, but you you could tell, and I and I liked that, I like that that psychology of that of of. Uh, he wanted, you could tell he wanted to join him.
1: And you could argue, and I'm not the first one to argue this, that he's also quitting another drug, which is maybe men. (laughs) You know? That that maybe Henry Frankenstein would, I mean, Dr. Pretorius is played in such a way of, like, women. Like, he looks disgusting, you know, with disgust at at Henry Frankenstein's bride, like Elizabeth. He's like, eww. And then, and, and he, he, at one point, they actually edited the script, this, but when he's in his laboratory, when he's sh- talking to Henry Frankenstein, he's saying, like, you know, the the power to recreate. He says, you have the benefit of nature. I, myself, have to go to science, like, implying that as a gay man, I, I don't— Yeah, I mean, queer theory has a lot of papers <laughs> 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 about this.
0: Well, and, then, you know, and again, I'm. this will come up again, but— but yeah, there, there, there is a tr- there's a troubling uh, thematic center to this thing. Just the whole idea of of creating a woman, you know, the Adam and Eve idea, and and for a man, and then again, sort of the finale. As soon as a woman resists, they must be destroyed. That is one reading.
1: Oh yeah, I, I realize. Yeah, that. yeah, no, I, I think that that's valid. Yeah. So so we get on to so yeah you wanted to talk about Pretorius is uh, first he drinks gin it's it's his only weakness
0: it's his only weakness
1: yes <laughs> he has some great lines there about like he's he's so like oh you know t- t- all your Bible stories if you prefer he's like got great lines that he just oh I love I love every word that comes <laughs> out of his mouth and then uh, and then yeah we see his little creations. <laughs> Which are nothing like you would see in, in Frankenstein. Like, there's a level no, of comedy and no. weirdness. And that's this the thing, like, movie.
0: Frankenstein, the original, and, it's, and as wild as it is, you could make the case, especially compared to this one, that it's relatively grounded. Or mm-hmm. at least it takes itself seriously. Right. That, that what's happening, if it actually happened, this is how it would play. This one, you're just like, what the fuck? Yes. What? Wh-? So explain explained to our podcast audience who have not seen this movie what the fuck <laughs>
1: right. we so, see in this scene. Dr. Pretorius, this tall, weird, gaunt fella who's a, li- a little bit like, uh, um, oh, if Snape were happy... <laughs> <laughs> And in if Snape were into Broadway musicals, maybe. Like there's a sort of like there's there's a he's this guy's more theatrical. He is he's loving it. Uh it's sipping gin out of a beaker and all of this. Uh but he his experiment with uh creating life was different he, he basically didn't sew something together he actually created life in a test tube and he's made this queen that sits on her throne and a little king who can't wait to try and get in the jar with the queen and he's got a, a bishop and a mermaid and a, a ballet dancer and satan who he says looks like himself like there's a little bit of resemblance or perhaps i I uh, flatter myself. And they're weird, and, and it's comical, and it's strange. And but they're six
0: inches tall. Six
1: inches tall. They're in jars, yes. I should have mentioned that.
0: <laughs> fully fully functioning human beings, six inches tall.
1: Each fully dressed with little pieces of furniture. Well, presumably he's
0: fashioned these things.
1: Yes. Which, of course, later thing. on, when the bride is brought to life, and they're uh, unwrapping her, the next time we see her, she's in this flowing gown with her hair all done, so presumably Henry and Dr. Pretorius dressed her up, you know? Which is, I think, kind of fascinating because one of the things I find fascinating about the original Frankenstein is when we see Frankenstein, he's in the suit that doesn't quite fit. Like, Frankenstein, Doctor, was such a bad dad in that way that he didn't even prepare enough to have clothes that would fit the creation that he was sewing together. But in this one, when the bride comes to be They've got, like, a beautiful – they've got a whole fashion line for her, you know?
0: <laughs> if only she lived long enough yes. to enjoy it.
1: <laughs> so but, – but still, even then, Pretoria says, let's do this together, but Henry's still kind of on the fence. He's not he's – kinda...
0: and, and again, I just – that scene, because there's a part of me that's like, all right, we're, we're done here. You just created six – things that live and are sentient <laughs> and have emotion and apparently can communicate. Let's just spend the rest of our lives understanding what the fuck you just did. <laughs> but then they just leave. Just leave like, where do those things go? What happens to them?
1: We never see them again. Man. <laughs> so meanwhile, the monster who is horribly burned uh, uh, is wandering around the countryside. He runs into some gypsies and tries to steal their chicken. Uh, he gets burned again. He almost kills another gypsy woman or a shepherd girl who uh, falls into a pool, but kind of saves her. But he's he's just having a hard time. And then he meets a blind hermit who's playing mu- music.
0: Played by Gene Hackman. <laughs> <laughs>
1: this, this scene, too, is beautiful. <laughs> comical especially like it's hard to get the young frankenstein version out of your head because it's it's pretty close <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to change much yeah now this scene too uh, both the idea of creating a bride that's in mary shelley's novel
0: yes that the monster demands that. that
1: you make a bride uh, that yeah. he makes a bride for him
0: and doesn't he kidnap uh frankenstein's wife or something isn't i think there, he murders there as well?
1: frankenstein's
0: oh yeah because
1: yeah, oh, yeah. i'll see you because because frank in the in oh, the novel, that's right
0: because he, he follows through and then immediately kills the bride he,
1: on the on the table before he even brings the, he kills the bride while the monster's watching and the monster says I'll see you on your wedding night right right yeah right okay so back to the movie though this hermit takes him in playing violin in the book it is an old man with a family who plays guitar and that's how Frankenstein learns so much but in this case it is this hermit who teaches him how to eat speak, Uh, a little bit about the difference between good and bad. Uh, Smoke a cigar. (laughs) The smoking cigar scene.
0: Uh, Doesn't he also give him alcohol? Isn't he the first to give him alcohol? Yes, he gives him
1: wine. I mean, actually this goes, plays into what we'll see again and again, which is there's a lot of Christ imagery in Bride of Frankenstein. Uh, The first one has a little bit, but in the second one, it is nailed home. Nailed home? Maybe that's not the right term to use in this case. But it is driven home. That that the monster is a Christ figure, Uh, he including having a Eucharist, a Last Supper, uh, with his friend. In queer theory, some queer theory would say, oh, in some ways the hermit and the monster become a couple, but it's a couple that is immediately declared by these two hunters that come in unnatural, get away, he's not even human.
0: You know, it's interesting, my my gut reaction, my sort of first reaction to that scene was, as I was already sort of going down this path of seeing this movie as a bit of uh, uh, toxic masculinity as the sort of teaching him how to be a man, smoke and drink mm. and be a man. Uh, and that seemed to be confirmed later when Pretorius is plying him with alcohol to calm him down. He's basically turning him into a drunk right before he reveals his bride, who he <laughs> kills immediately. Yeah. Uh, sort of playing it. But that, you know, it, it, sort of once you see something in a certain way, I could see how it, you know, everything sort of falls into place and it's not necessarily the only interpretation, but that was sort of the path I was going down by that point.
1: Sure. I think, I mean, you know, you and your academic folks could make that argument. I mean,
0: Hey, you're the one bringing up queer theory. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm just over here, just a film goer trying to understand why you see six creatures in bell jars and don't drop everything <laughs> to study that the rest of your life.
1: So, so it's a beautiful scene, actually. It, it, You know, the the hermit is saying, like, you know, thank you, God, for, for bringing these two lonely, two of your lonely creatures together. And the idea that whether Frankenstein's monster is a creature of God or created by man, going back to the first movie where it wasn't created by God, this was created by Dr. Frankenstein, plays into this, you know. And it, it, they both cry. You know, the the hermit cries, praying over him, and Frankenstein also cries. And this is also the only film in the Universal films where Frankenstein has any words. This is the only right. time he speaks. But then, after this, of course, we have Frankenstein. Doctor, Fra- I mean, Frankenstein's monster is is captured. I think I've got the order right, and he is put up on what is very much like a cross yes, on a pole. I did notice that. Yeah, and then he's actually. Taken down into a basement where he's put on a throne. Again, this sort of Christ imagery. He's put on this sort of you know that that imprisoned, chained chair, which is like a, a throne room or an anti throne room. There's definitely this sort of like, I guess you could say maybe you know, this is. When I watch it, I'm like, oh, this is this is the the Christ of the modern world. This is the post World War One Christ now, which which is a, a dead corpse, an animated dead corpse. Uh, with murderous intent
0: and you call me the academic uh (laughs) you know none of that occurred to me what was occurring to me was his newfound superhuman strength yeah which you know in the first one he seemed to be subdued fairly easily by two middle-aged men yeah uh whenever you know it was required and in this one he can rip doors off hinges break chains of iron and and, and there was a part of me that just thought, oh, geez, sequels, you know, this this idea of let's, you know, strip it of everything that was interesting and human about the first one and just make this a machine, a killing machine to thrill the audience, uh, but lose all of the, the, I don't know, humanity of the first one. I know you, he sheds a tear and he speaks a word and... Uh, yes he may be the one we most empathize with but again i go back to but that's only because everyone else was so thinly drawn that you kind of couldn't help but identify with him
1: I, yeah I, I could see that i mean you're you're t- good observation I, th- I think you're right like it's a weird thing how in, in the horror movies we watch that um that the the monster ha- has to become less and less grounded as as the uh, movies go on and maybe it's a sense a little bit of like oh you have to you have to top what you did in the last one you know you can't just see it would be boring if you drowned another girl
0: but you know it's funny is because you know you made me watch friday the 13th part four yeah and in the in you know in the same way that you're making me watch bride of frankenstein like they're similar in a way uh in the way that they take the original idea which may have had some some sort of creative originality and some driving motivation behind it and some humanity behind it. And it's just all about the ride, uh, the thrill of watching this guy go on a rampage. It's not and that all, seems to be what you enjoy.
1: What? Okay, first of all, yes, I do love the ride. I agree. and And really pacing-wise, that's why I think this one is so much more fun. I'm so glad we don't have Henry Frankenstein's dad talking like whoa, 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 whoa. let's give the wine like, you know um. you know what
0: character i miss a lot in this movie frankenstein's dad oh my gosh i thought he was a great actor i thought every time he was on screen i was like oh i want to have a drink with him he's like a, he's like a fun guy
1: he probably taught you at oxford or something.
0: <laughs> you know what i was thinking i was like i wonder if owen's grandfather sounded like that
1: well yes my popper definitely did sound a little bit like that um <laughs> But this, I mean, like I, the bride is is in it. It's in the weirdness, and it it stays there. And with so much more of the monster and his adventures, and and I I hear what you're saying about it. like I I think the shots and the production design are just incredible all the way through.
0: I I think they are in the last twenty minutes. The last twenty minutes are brilliant, but because they echo so much for me aesthetically, what was great about the first one?
1: I just I I couldn't. Disagree with you more. I'm trying to think if I could. I'll try. (laughs) Let's see what else you say.
0: (laughs) I'm just surprised that you aren't more effusive in your agreement about at least the first ten minutes of these two movies, because it seems to me the opening of the original would be like you'd be all over it in terms of uh, just evoking horror.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the first one is is so great. That the the whole thing of him and Fritz waiting and and. Uh, Fritz, actually, overall, Fritz is an incredible character. I love seeing Fritz climb up the gallows to cut that guy down. Mm-hmm. Um, he's incredible. Actually, the character who played Fritz, the actor who plays... Marty Fr- Feldman.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's, actually, it's Dwight Fry who comes back in Bride. Oh, really? Dwight Fry plays Carl. So, you know, uh, Pretorius is two henchmen.
0: Yeah, the one who goes and and murders the woman for her heart.
1: Yes, which I want to get to that moment because I think that's a key one of the reasons I love Bride. So before we do that though, but yeah, Dwight Frye comes back in this role. It's it's not till the the next film, Son of Frankenstein, that we get Igor. The whole family. Yeah, Igor comes into <laughs> it, and you know who plays Igor? Marty Feldman. Bella Lugosi.
0: Oh, really? Yeah, I did not know that.
1: Yes. Who later goes on? Actually, to play the monster.
0: All right, we'll get to that. I do. I did know that.
1: But don't worry, we're gonna watch all these movies. It's gonna be great. I wouldn't
0: mind. I wouldn't mind.
1: Oh gosh! Oh come on! <laughs> I'd love that. So, so then I, I wanted to get to. So Frankenstein escapes uh, the monster. Sorry, the monster escapes uh, from his throne, and eventually he he he's walking through the graveyard. That's so eerie and scary. He's knocking down a huge statue. The cross always behind him. And then he goes down below, he again descends, where Dr. Doctor Pretorius turns out is gathering the goods for for his creation. And and again, you get this sort of, maybe it's actually kind of, it's a parallel to the beginning of the original Frankenstein. It's the the gathering body parts, but it's got this weird, uh, I guess, dark comic view of it. You know the scene I'm talking about?
0: Yeah, in the, in the sort of mausoleum. And, and Pretorius has, like, a picnic lunch. He has a picnic lunch. With the, with the bones of the dead. Yes. And then, and then the monster shows up, and he's like, oh, hey.
1: Yeah, he, he doesn't <laughs> scream, he doesn't yell. You, I thought you, I was you alone. Want some, you want some booze? Yes, yes. And he goes, I like dead. You were wise in your generation. <laughs> it's just, I wish Pretorius did books on tape, because I would listen to <laughs> uh, You know what? Isn't he in Phantasm?
0: I'm pretty sure. I still so he... wish play the tall man
1: no he's not in your scrum <laughs> that would be great but no uh, and then the, then we get to them building the body so you had mentioned that the heart scene so there was actually there was a longer cut of this movie there was like in the original cut was like Frankenstein killed like over 20 people <laughs> Frankenstein's monster he did and and um, Carl who we see kill one person if I'm right he's killing a bunch of people and blaming it on the monsters on the rampage.
0: Oh, that's kind of genius.
1: Yeah, yeah. But yeah, he's pretty smart. But they left that part out. But I love that scene when they need a new heart. And it's again, it's this place where Dr. Frankenstein, as opposed to sort of being redeemed in the first movie. In this one, I think your your description of him as going down into drugs is brilliant. And actually, Colin Clive was struggling in a big way with alcoholism. I think he actually died not long after this. Um, this is the la- last time he appeared in any of these movies. But but there he is. He's like, I need a new heart. Something young and fresh or recently dead. And he's like, I- I'll try. He <laughs> goes off and comes back. He's like, it was very fresh, wasn't it? Like, oh. <laughs> and and that, I just love that Henry Frankenstein is just like willfully blind to, yeah. to his guilt.
0: No, I, and that was a, a particularly macabre moment. Yeah. Which I appreciated.
1: And then let's get to the ending with the bride. Okay, so... Well, and
0: and let's just say... Yeah? For the record... Yes? It's called Bride of Frankenstein, and the bride is in it a good three minutes at the end.
1: question. Who is the Bride of Frankenstein?
0: Hmm? Ah, pretty sure it's the bird lady at the end.
1: Elizabeth Frankenstein, who actually marries Henry Frankenstein? Hmm. Oh, you know what? Mm.
0: you're right I'm wrong so mm. this is really a movie about Elizabeth is this what you're saying
1: <laughs> it's all about Elizabeth
0: I'm sorry I didn't see that
1: <laughs> but you're right had you seen this movie before you've I know because I know you show clips of it have you seen it in full though before this
0: I, I'm sure that I had but it, there was a lot I didn't remember So so I'm not entirely sure if I'd seen the whole thing
1: but it is surprising to a lot of people that the bride is only in there for a couple of minutes yeah but she's iconic.
0: Yeah, no, it's... Uh, uh, one wonders what it would have been like if the movie had been about her. Would she have been that much more iconic or less? I don't know.
1: I don't know, yeah. But I, I mean, that, what do you think about that performance? I I, I think it's amazing. Mm, um,
0: what, What is amazing about it?
1: I think one thing is there's an aspect where there's a human and very not human simultaneously. So there's something uncanny and weird about it. Like, this person is obviously seeing the world new and, uh I recognize some aspect that I relate to but at the same time her movements are like bird-like she hisses like a swan and and, and just is is obviously not and to combine both of those together i think is brilliant
0: it's definitely arresting and and weird um and the bird-like thing yes you, you totally see that you know it's hard for me to say amazing performance but it's a effect- it's affecting and effective. But I don't know if I'd go so far as like, oh my gosh, top 10 performances of all time. Did you see that <laughs> that that woman in Pride of Frankenstein for 2 minutes? That was amazing. Okay. All
1: right. <laughs> um so okay, so so she she's born into the world. She she uh, stands between the two doctors, actually parallel to the same way that Mary Shelley was standing between Shelley and Percy in the beginning after she's pricked her finger. Both hands outstretched to the two men, which is kind of interesting. And then that's when we we do have Pretorius declare the bride of Frankenstein in that really cool, weird angled shot. And then and that's why I
0: say the last several minutes is all German expressionism, Dutch angles, cool lighting, like awesome.
1: Yeah, it gets weirder with the angles. I I think the set design
0: when they move this table with the heart around yes. to the sort of the operating table and they clearly have lights rigged on the table that can move with the table. Yeah. Uh, that's like a beautiful shot. Um, so things like that, I think are, are, are brilliant in that last sequence.
1: I gotta say too, what's really cool about that. I mean, cause I agree with you. It's really wild. And they, I mean the, the laboratory scene, which comes near, near the start, near the beginning of Frankenstein, the original was a big scene and they had to like, now we're just going to do that again. <laughs> but, we're gonna to top it, and and I think they do. Yeah, I think
0: they do. Yeah. I think they do. Okay, so let's get to the very end. Like, how okay. what? How how do you interpret? You know, Frankenstein being rejected by this woman, and then him like burning the place down, killing her and himself.
1: Right. So I, I I mean I think you're right. He's he's rejected. He he figures that he he wants a friend, friend like he had in the hermit, and then he's like, oh my gosh, you know, I've been promised. Notorious is, you know, promised me a, a friend, and then even this person who's like him, the one other creature not made by God but made by human hands, rejects him, and he is like, I'm truly, truly alone. And then he, uh, he's devastated by that. So I think he's like, burn it all down, burn it all down. I'm truly alone. There's nothing like me. The reason he lets Frankenstein go is is really i don't know it's bizarre he has this sort of like even there has this affection for him. or the studio says dr frankenstein has to live but i don't know the other question is like who builds a lever that blows up a laboratory <laughs> <laughs> just, uh, just don't don't build good that. point or if you do good, put, good, put a, good, a note good on it point. put it like a sticky note
0: oh yeah. So, and I, and I realized, you know, it's, it's not completely fair to interpret a film in today's sort of political context. Yeah. But it really, it really stood out to me. The, the incel of it all.
1: That it was men making a woman for a man. And once she rejects it, he, the man just sort of like destroys everything.
0: Yeah. 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 I mean, it's, it's the equivalent of like the, the, like Twitter meltdowns you see when men get rejected by women. Yeah. But you know to your point it, it, I would have it you know if he had let if he had if, if there was a moment of not not that this would ever happen but if there was some moment of recognition of I can't force someone to love me lets her go and kills him and and Frankenstein like that to me would have been much more satisfying and legit ending. But weirdly he you're right he lets he lets him go and if they had played leaned more into this idea of of I can't kill God and he sees him as God that might have been interesting but I don't I didn't get that sense so
1: no okay that's true i mean to credit the film i think i think what you're saying is really interesting view of it i mean to credit the film the the bride obviously has her own agency like she's like no like i don't care if you made me for to this other creature to procreate and create this whatever this race I'm like n- no i'm, I'm and, not. and that's
0: a that's a great point but also even in the moment i kept feeling like would someone just explain to the monster that she's just been born she's just a little freaked out like she's not necessarily rejecting you because she was kind of screaming at everyone well i guess you're saying the three men in the room she's screaming at all of them
1: well no she looks she's actually freaking she, out she, she's per- Pretorius, she's kind of like, doesn't really care about. She, she actually looks kind of longingly at, at Henry Frankenstein. And when she sees the monster, it's, it's really well filmed. When she The monster walks in behind her and she's kind of sensing it. And when she finally looks around and sees him and screams, and then she does that quick snap of her neck and looks to Henry. And mm-hmm. then Henry crosses away from her, kind of leading her, and she walks to her, towards him, arms outstretched, kind of guided by him. So she's got like a, a very strong connection to Henry, for what it. Okay. Yeah. yeah,
0: I'd have to watch the scene again, but my my impression was she's just freaking out. Yeah. And she's not necessarily rejecting him, even.
1: Is this what it, was this your internal monologue on your wedding night?
0: <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know what? She's not rejecting me. She's just freaking out. <laughs> it's not about me. Where's that lever? Uh, <laughs> oh um (laughs) well played so but i you know you're right there there's she does have a certain amount of agency which is which is cool to see
1: but that is the idea of like hey frankenstein monster come on don't just blow up the world because uh, you know you're romantically rejected that's that's a that's a sad way of looking at it but it is there
0: uh well so we i think we've we've talked enough
1: so to sum up you prefer Frankenstein to Bride of Frankenstein, but the thing that sort of irks you, if I'm right about Bride of Frankenstein, outside of all the cool things we talked about the plot-wise and everything like that, is this uneasy tone that, that yes. sort of combines camp with the horrific or the gothic.
0: And I think a, a more general sense of what sequels so often do to brilliant original ideas and, and how in some ways this becomes the touchstone of Hollywood's obsession with getting, you know, blood from a turnip and trying to wring more life, uh, literally and metaphorically, um, from an idea, which may have been best left uh, alone.
1: Wow. And I see Bride of Frankenstein as an expansion of those ideas and, without a doubt, the best of the universal horror movies. It sits on that chained throne.
0: Uh, Well, we shall agree to disagree. If I had a giant lever that I could pull,
1: <laughs> Just blow this <laughs> podcast up.
0: All right, so I will tell you my favorite scene, and you tell me which one that you're not such a fan of. Okay, and and I think my favorite scene, and it's more of a sequence, uh, but it is the unveiling of of the bride. It, That's your it, oh favorite, yeah, yeah. Unequ- you know, it's it's iconic. It's brilliantly shot. Uh, you know, I may not think the performance is quote unquote amazing, but it's definitely affecting. And memorable, uh, and we've been waiting for it for an hour and ten minutes, so it's a great payoff. Yeah, uh, and I would, I would, yeah, it felt that those last few minutes felt like, okay, this is what I loved about the first one. Finally, we get a little bit of it here.
1: Hmm. I would say then my, my least favorite is actually kind of two things. Um, I I also, although I defend it, mini Una O'Connor she, sometimes is is just a it's a little over the top for me. <laughs> I the the I'm with you on the Eliza Doolittle. She's
0: in just Brian and the, Frankenstein. the
1: other one and it's a hard one. Like, you know, the Frankenstein's movies exist in this weird time and place, you know, whereas like there's medical students in modern clothes and there's peasants with torches and where are we? Are we England or Laveria? everyone's got a different accent? The yeah. butlers
0: apparently come right out of some you know, Warner Brothers crime thriller. Yes,
1: exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Get lost, lady um so there's there's the moment with the phone where uh oh Taurus,
0: yeah he could talk to his yes with through this wife?
1: machine you'll be able to hear elizabeth's voice and it's <laughs> it's actually wonderfully shot the kind of talking over this machine and it's wild dutch angles and the lighting's really strange but but i was like that's that feels like to have to introduce telephones <laughs> just for that like uh, again
0: the guy's got a couple of, like, six-inch-tall human beings stowed away somewhere. <laughs> the telephone's not such a stretch.
1: Right, well, I know. It's just that the fact that they have to explain it to the audience. Like, <laughs> I mean, it would have been cool if, like, if the king had run up, I've got a message. <laughs> Here's her finger. Proof of life. <laughs> oh my God. It's as big as me. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, they should have been. Um, okay, so all right, that's, so yeah. do we Do we have
1: an idea for, for next time? I do, I do. But first of all, I get to talk about sequels. So oh, Frankenstein, shit. 31, Bride of Frankenstein, took to 1935 till it happened. It was followed up by Son of Frankenstein, uh, which has that guy that always reminds me of you, who guy who played um, uh, Sherlock Holmes in all those movies. Oh, what's his name?
0: Basil Rathbone?
1: Yes, that's him. Uh, always reminds me of you. He plays Son of Frankenstein. Last time that... Uh, Boris Karloff would play the monster. Uh, after that was *Ghost of Frankenstein*, uh, and then after that um, was uh, Fra- *Frankenstein Meets the Wolfman*, and then *House of Frankenstein*. And then Frankenstein also shows up in uh, uh, *House of Dracula* too. Uh, and Albert and, oh, Costello. Albert Costello meet Frankenstein, uh, and that, that that yeah that really <laughs> pretty kind of ends that sequence uh, when once <laughs> Abbott and Costello are hanging out with you. But they're, they're all brilliant. All those films are so good. I love them all. Uh, but for next time, so I was thinking like, well, I love that we're starting with such a classic, such a beauty. And I was thinking, well, we could stay in this world of 1940s and 30s classics, but I actually want to take a leap. I don't want to, I, I want to go forward to the 70s, to Halloween.
0: Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Here we go. I haven't seen it in a long time. Yeah. I know it is, it is... It is a classic. I mean, I'm not going to argue that. Yeah. Uh, so we'll we'll see. We'll see how how it it stands up in my estimation. I,
1: I think I I, I think I've, I I got a good uh, idea how you're going to feel about it. But you know, you surprised me on this one. So
0: all right well we'll see
1: and that's the horror yeah
0: owen where can we find you out there in the world
1: at twitter at owen underscore edgerton o-w-e-n underscore e-g-e-r-t-o-n and you can watch mercy black on netflix you don't even have to watch it you just can start playing it and then leave the room
0: <laughs> no you should watch the whole thing oh okay and this is a guy who doesn't like horror uh, you can find me at Russell Sharman. Oh and thanks so much for for allowing me to revisit the classic Universal monster movies. Yeah, I don't know if it's a good or bad thing that that they tried and failed to restart this thing with Tom Cruise. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if they try and bring back Frankenstein. I hope not.
1: We should watch The Mummy. We should watch uh, Tom Cruise's The Mummy.
0: Okay, it's bad. It's really, <laughs> Yo, really bad. Oh, you've seen it?
1: Have you seen it? I
0: watched the first 30 minutes and then I left the room.
1: Wow, okay. Wow. We'll, we'll get we'll get a bottle of wine. Cuddle up and watch it. Can't wait.